Howdy, folks, and welcome to Footnotes in the Conversation. This is the show where we provide a small footnote to a thinker whose name gets thrown around a lot in modern discourse. First, I'll tell you when and where they lived, who they were, and a few important things about their life. Then, I'll give some context to their ideas. What are they responding to? What parts of their culture are they interacting with? After that, I'll survey the biggest pieces of their thoughts. What fields of study were they interested in? How did they develop and deliver their ideas? And what are the most important takeaways from their works? Today's subject is John Locke. Locke was born August 29, 1632, in a cottage in Somerset, which is about 12 miles from Bristol. In 1647, when Locke was about 15 or so, he was sent to the famous Westminster School in London. In 1652, when he was about 20, Locke went to Christ Church, Oxford, to study. Here, Locke was exposed largely to classical literature and philosophy, which he found irritating, in preference for more modern work like Descartes, though Locke would be shown the worlds of medicine and experimental philosophy by his friends. In 1666, he met Lord Ashley, who would offer Locke a job after being impressed with his work in treating Ashley's liver infection. Locke was Ashley's personal physician and is credited with saving his life via surgery to remove a liver cyst. Lord Ashley, being a founder of the Whig movement, influenced Locke's politics. In 1683, Locke fled to the Netherlands under an unlikely suspicion of being involved in a plot to assassinate King Charles II and spent most of his time writing. In 1689, Locke returned to England after the Glorious Revolution was over and published all of his most significant philosophic works, like an essay concerning human understanding, a letter concerning toleration, and two treatises of government. Locke's health quickly declined, but he was nonetheless considered a hero by the Whigs for his writings. Locke died in 1704 at age 72. Locke is an excellent example of just how conversational philosophy is. His ideas are almost all continuing arguments that happened either just before his life or in his life. In large part, one can trace many of Locke's political arguments back to one Thomas Hobbes, who was a contemporary of Locke, living from 1588 to 1679. Both Hobbes and Locke are responding in part to the English Civil War and the Glorious Revolution, while Locke is best known for his politics, he also wrote plenty about epistemology, for instance in his essay concerning human understanding. Locke is an empiricist, which means that he holds sensory experience as the most fundamental type of knowledge. For example, that means to Locke, children are born with no personality or ideas, save what they experience, and those ideas can only be gained by sensation, feeling, seeing, hearing, or reflection, thinking about feeling, seeing, hearing. But Locke is best known for his politics, which are largely espoused in the two treaties of government. The first one is far more obscure, where Locke attacks an obscure philosopher even for his day, Sir Robert Filmer, and refutes the idea that a government can reasonably function under the divine right of kings. He denies all of Filmer's scriptural citations as senseless and argues rather that scripture, through its Adam story, promotes government by consent rather than an absolute hereditary monarchy. It is in the second treatise of government that much of the more famous work by Locke comes out. Locke proposes his own far more orderly idea for how man comes into government. Locke rejects the Hobbesian state of nature, which is poor, nasty, brutish, and short, and rather says that without government, man still has natural laws that, that restrict how he is to behave around his fellow men. Rather, the social contract is made to defer the judicial responsibility to uphold natural law to a government. The social contract is made to ensure the protection of man's life, liberty, and estate. Locke rejects the idea that you can willingly enslave yourself, which is how Hobbes saw the absolute monarchy of the Leviathan state being made. Rather, government can only do what is said under declared and received laws, and man has the right to revolt if the government fails to do so. This all creates 
a more orderly government via consent and representation style of government that Hobbes rejects and Locke accepts as necessary for good government. While we know Locke as the prominent Enlightenment thinker that he is today, it took about 80 years for his ideas to really kick off, that is, the time of the American Revolution. Locke and a handful of other thinkers, like Montesquieu, were foundational ideological figures to the revolution. Both Britain and the colonies cited Locke multiple times in the philosophical discussions of the revolution. Nowadays, he is the father of classical liberalism, and is a prominent thinker to how America and democracy in general has formed its ideological backbone. And with that being said, you've just been given a small footnote to one of the greats of the Enlightenment, John Locke. Thanks for watching. Take care.